Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All I want for my birthday is a gift card from Amazon so I can buy a bunch of books. Preferably sixty dollars. <laughs> but so it I can ain't get your birthday. Books. It's Selena's birthday. All I, oh yeah, you're right. Happy birthday, Selena Cat Daddy. Jesus Christ loves me hell. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And today is a very special day. Do you know why, guys? Because uh, it's Selena's birthday. No, that was yesterday. Isn't yeah. it the day after Selena's birthday? So you With know what that means? special. Right now, somewhere in Southside Jamaica, Queens. Selena's sleeping. Marvin Sapp is playing softly in the background. I never would have made it. And Selena is in deep sleep, but somehow is finding a way to snap herself with the birthday filter Ooh, that we got her. Can we play Stevie Wonder Happy Birthday? We can play Stevie Wonder Happy We're Birthday. We're going to play all the Happy Birthday That is songs. the Black's Happy Birthday, because you guys are wondering. The Black uh, Brothers Happy Birthday. No, no, it's I'm not kidding. racist. We just I'm have cooler music. Anyway, but happy black. birthday, Selena. We were all, Selena is not here in the studio with us today because hopefully she's sleeping. And she's not hungover like she should be, like a respectable person. I mean, right. listen, she looked beautiful last night. I just want to say I that. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah she, she looked, re- <laughs> Selena looked gorgeous. She was so happy. She was in her element w- because there were like a hundred people surrounding her, Snapchatting with cameras. her. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Everybody would, wanted to take pictures. If with you her. follow Selena Hill, Miss Selena Hill on Instagram, you should. And I don't know what her Snapchat handle yeah, is. She probably was... the same. You should check it out because Selena can. It's the only person I know who can simultaneously upload Instagram stories and Snapchat stories and yes. have them be completely different. Um, <laughs> yes. And there's like an hour worth of footage from her birthday party on both both sources. So I would highly recommend checking it out. There was one point where we were all recording the same thing of Selena doing stuff. Yeah, right. Well, and I looked at Jack and I said, Selena is in her element right now. Well, the best was that, so we made Selena, we are like, what do you get the girl that has everything? Oh, you get her a custom Snapchat filter <laughs> for her birthday. So we made Selena a custom Snapchat filter um, and you can check it out on her Instagram and on her Snapchat. Um, and we'll probably, we could put it on Facebook too. But uh, we, we set it you? to start at, I know, yeah, Selena's gotta, not here, so I got to promote. Yeah. Selena, uh, we set it to start at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the venue for her birthday party. And at 9.03, we get a text like, you guys made me a Snapchat. Like she found it immediately. Her was, cousin told me she was crying profusely. <laughs> so anyways, guys, this is Let so Your happy. Voice Be Heard. We got to introduce ourselves. But as you can see, we love Selena. Um, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm your favorite internet on the PC ones and twos. You can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz, on Instagram at Stan Fritz, or on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle, where you will also see the happy birthday, Selena. Um, what'd you call it? Filter with Snapchat my filter, um, Bitmoji yeah. on there as well. So good. And Alyssa? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't have a Bitmoji because I'm not cool like that. Um, but, you know, I do smart legal stuff. That's what I'm good for. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm also good for reading articles on the subway about the subway and get re- really, really mad about how bad the subway is. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I'm Alyssa Fuchs, and you can hear my rants about the subway on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs. That's I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S. Or on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. Or you can leave a comment on the fan page, which is Politically Preposterous on Facebook and Poll Preposterous on Twitter. Um, you know, and I also specialize in uh, trolling the president. Yes, um, it's your favorite hobby. Yeah, and uh, calling out sexual harassers. So, um, good. Know, on that note, Good I will, hobbies. Uh, I will pass it to uh, yeah, hey. my wonderful colleague to my left so over here. I am very tired and very hungover, Jackie Cohen, and you can follow me on follow me on Twitter at Jackie Cohen. That's J A Q I C O H E N. Where 
I tweet. I mostly retweet. I'm so bad You're at tweeting. Sometimes she tweets. I, know. You can, I guess you can follow me on Instagram at Jackie Cohen as well. It's not that interesting. Although I do have a good video of Selena dancing to Rihanna. Oh, dear You know, it was right so hard to take a picture of Selena last night because she just wouldn't stop dancing and all my pictures came out blurry. <laughs> really? That's <laughs> Seriously. Really when she got the cake, I was trying to take a picture of her like with the cake. Yeah. And it was just like every photo came out blurry because she was just dancing like crazy. Selena was dancing hard. Selena's a great dancer. Which yeah. I don't think enough people know that about Or care Selena. to know. Um, she's ridiculous. She is a ridiculously good dancer. So. Have you never seen the video she posts up where she does covers of songs and like she does a choreography too? You remember my <laughs> 25th birthday, I think it was, when we did karaoke and she did the whole Beyonce Dangerously in Love dance routine? Amazing. And was yelling at us to start the dancing? Dangerously in Love? She did that whole routine? Yes. Oh my God. Exactly. She, what? An amazing woman, our friend Selena is. I, I'm so jealous. I wish I could do the whole routine. Yeah, you're a loser. Anyways, guys, we are not here to talk about Selena or her birthday, even though it is an awesome day. And we are happy for her because she's the big three. Oh, we have a big show ready for you. And today, we are talking about the bevy of sexual harassers, assaulters, and perverts that have rolled out in the last month. It feels like a press run for sexual harassment. It really does because so many of them have come out. Alyssa? It's like sexual harassment camp. Yes, yeah, seriously. All of our faves are tra- are trash, literally. And then, when we're done being depressed about Louis C.K. masturbating to people without their permission, we are going to move on to the news roundup where we get to talk about New York City's Metropolitan Transportation Authority <laughs> and how Governor Cuomo <laughs> and others have joke. found a way to make it so bad. Hey guys, you you need a ski resort because I think we should divert some money to that. Yeah. Oh my while God. This, you know, while the trains derail. Not from New York City. Too bad. You're gonna hear us complain a lot <laughs> at the news roundup. Then finally, the, the next segment we are. Going going to be talking about the Republican tax plan. And I have a game that I stole from Love It or Leave It on a podcast I was listening to this morning. And I'm going to use it on here to ask you guys questions about the tax plan. And then, of course, Alyssa has got us with the quickie. You know why she's doing the quickie? Because she gets things done fast, except for that stuff. Uh, Alyssa, what are you talking about? You know, I have a bunch of comments I was going to make about that, but I think I'll refrain. I don't think they're that appropriate. Um, anyways, yeah. yeah, so during the quickie, I'm going to talk about how Donald Trump has uh, engaged in um, judicial warfare. No, I mean, essentially, yes. Um, basically, they are packing the courts with right-wing extremist judges um, and ones that are very, very young because they are lifetime appointments and by packing uh, the courts with young conservative people that are going to be on the court for a very, very long time. They basically have the ability to dictate what the judiciary is going to do and how they're going to potentially rule on cases um, for not just a couple of years, but decades. Um, So it's a really big deal. It's floating very much under the radar because there are so many other crazy things going on. I mean, it's Donald Trump, so what else is new? Um, And so I'll tell you a lot more about that so that it's something that you're paying attention to because it really will have a potentially big impact on our lives. So, guys, with that being said, we are going to go on a quick break. But when we come back, it won't just be Selena's birthday celebration. We'll be talking about sexual harassment because there's lots of it. By the way, Selena was killing it for this dance. W-A-C-R. 
We want you to listen to the show today. This is Stanley Fritz, and we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are tuning in, I am also here with Alyssa Fuchs and Jackie Cohen. Selena Hill, our main host, is not here today because she is at home listening to gospel music, celebrating her birthday after an extravagant night of dancing, not by me, but by her, and maybe Jackie, and also Alyssa, and Marilyn, my girlfriend, and Kate, the love of my life. And we are here to talk about some things that are not as happy as going to a restaurant, a cabaret, and having a good time. No, we are here to talk about some actually pretty sad and disappointing things. I want you guys to go back in time. Jackie, Alyssa, do me a favor. Close your eyes for one second. Let's go back to like a super long time ago. I feel like if I close my eyes, I'm going to get sexually assaulted. A little bit, a little bit. So let's go back to like a time long, long ago in October (laughs) when Harvey Weinstein, Hollywood super elite liberal major donor, was exposed for what everyone had known for years, apparently, as not only being a sexual harasser, but also a rapist and someone who was bu- alleged. Yes, yes. Alleged rapist. And also someone who had been bullying and pretty much trying to silence women who spoke up against him. Remember how you felt when that happened? Yes. How'd you yeah. feel? Uh, pissed off. Jackie? Yeah, angry. Angry, right? And but like, did you feel good that finally something was happening about this? Of course, yeah. It felt like a huge issue came to light. Exactly. A lot of people did. And I I finally felt personally like, you know what? Things are changing, and this is a a good space. Well, you know what? If you felt like things are changing, you were right. Because since October, when Harvey Weinstein, when the Harvey Weinstein story broke, let me tell you the amount of people who have now been accused or have come out as have done assault, harassment, alleged rape, or just being straight-up perverts. And in some cases, pedophile. Yes. And in some cases, pedophile. Andy Sigmore accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Ben Affleck accused of sexual harassment and unwanted groping. And he has about five accusers, by the way. Oliver Stone, Roy Price, Bob Weinstein, Chris Savino, Lockhart Steele, John Besh, James Toback, Ethan Kath, George W. George H. W. Bush, the 90-something-year-old George H. W. Bush. Hey. Mark Halpin, who was rubbing his boner on reporters. Kevin Spacey, who, when he was accused of trying to come on to a 16-year-old, he said, maybe I did that, and I'm sorry. By the way, I'm gay, guys. Very classy, Kevin. Very, very classy. Andy Dick, Michael Oreskes, Brett Ratner, Dustin Hoffman, David Galloyd, John, excuse me, John Grissom, John Singleton of the 80s classics The Breakfast Club mm. and Weird Science, Ed Westwick. Steven Seagal, he was always creepy. <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor. This really, one, Jeffrey Tambor? I know, oh, I know. That makes I know. me so mad. This one really broke my heart. Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. That we kind of knew. I did not. No, it was, I mean, can we get into it a little bit? In a second, Wait, in yeah. a second. I want to get to this list. Roy Moore, the child molester who got banned from a mall. <laughs> How do you get and banned from the mall? It's really hard to get banned from a mall. I mean, and when's the last time you signed somebody's yearbook in high school? <laughs> when I was in high school. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Kreisberg, Gary Godard, Eddie Braganza, George Sakai. George Sakai, yeah. Mark Schwann, Alfie Hoffman, Adam Vanette, Danny Masterson, and of course, the gut punch, Al Franken. You missed one. 
Who? Yeah, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> the uh, P-word grabber in chief. Yeah. Donald mother-loving Trump. So, guys, I just went through all these names because these is li- this has literally been a list of people who have been accused of some kind of sexual harassment, assault, unwanted touching, unwanted groping, or inappropriate behavior with women. These names have just come out from, uh, from October to November. We're not even done with November, and we already know there will be more names coming out. And for the first, I don't know, 200 plus years of American history, when women said something was wrong or someone was doing something wrong, we ignored them. Ignored them. And now all of a sudden, we're listening to them. And I don't mean to say that in a bad way. I'm happy we're listening to them. But like now we're starting to listen to them. And what's happening is a lot of us now have to grapple with what comes next. So in this conversation, you know, we're really going to be talking about like what some of these stories are, how we feel about them, and what happens next. Because a lot of these are complex in the sense of like, our opinions on them, how the victims want to be treated, how we've treated victims in the past, and how some of these stories might still be forgotten. And I want to throw it to Jackie first because I see she was like fist pumping. Yeah, <laughs> something no, in a bad way. I mean, like, like you said, a lot of these names I know to me were very surprising to hear, and a lot of them weren't. There were rumors about these people for forever, and so I think that there's an interesting distinction. We've talked about it a bit on the show in weeks past, um, as more of these names have come out. Which is why now, you know, we've heard about these people for years. Certainly, um, you know, when we talk about Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, this would even Louis C.K. I had heard rumors about Louis C.K. It was never really looked into. Yeah. Um, but there were rumors and that turned out to be true. And, you know, it became much worse than the rumors even made it seem. So you were never shocked by anything? Um, no, Was I shocked? By that anyone all, on this list? I mean, I was disappointed. You know, yeah. like Al Franken is somebody who I've considered to be a political hero of mine. Uh, Louis C.K., I mean, I, you know, I've talked about it. I think I talked about it a few weeks ago on the show. Like, I am a big comedy fan. I've always been a big fan of Louis C.K.'s. I've yeah. probably gone to see him three or four times live. I've always supported the work that he's done and so you know the rumor came out it was then confirmed it's very disappointing i cannot continue to support him knowing what i know now um so but was i surprised no because this is you know this happens right like um the me too campaign i think was really important because it highlighted how many women have experienced sexual harassment or assault it's pretty much Every woman has experienced this in some way. So I don't think that it's surprising, but it's very disappointing. It's very sad. I'm happy that these stories are coming out. Yeah. Um, but surprising, no. Alyssa? I mean, listen, it's not surprising to me because up until 1975, it was still perfectly legal to have sex with your spouse without their consent. Right. Um, And actually, in eight states, marital rape is still semi-legal under certain circumstances. So, you know, hearing all these, and I know that's the bigger picture, but hearing all these accusations come out is not surprising at all. Um, In fact, I actually am surprised that more accusations against more people have not come out. And, you know, these are only the celebrities and the politicians that we're talking about. This doesn't even include all of the sexual assault and harassment allegations that people make just against everyday people that are not famous, that are not celebrities, that are not in the public eye. And in fact, I think it's almost more egregious, the amount of sexual assault and harassment that goes on that's not celebrities because it's so such a widespread problem, Mm -hmm. Um, not to obviously discount with the celebrities. It's disheartening when you hear people that you like, as you point out, um, you know, are sexual harassers or alleged sexual harassers. Um, 
and obviously it's not all people we like, uh, yeah. like Donald Trump or and Roy Moore are not people I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it speaks to the bigger picture about the way women are treated in our society. Um, and that's obviously an issue that's been long going on for a long time. And it's something we need to you know, continue to talk about. So let's talk about Al Franken and Louis C.K. in particular, who some would argue before these stories leaked that they have been feminists or at least allies to women. Sure. How, like Jackie, like I'm, I'm happy, and I, I'm on the same page with you with Louis C.K. I have some slightly different feelings about Al Franken that we can get to later, but like how, like how, how are you, like where were you? How did you feel like finding out someone who you thought so highly of has done this? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Was it kind of like an automatic up? Well, screw him, or was there some turmoil there? I mean, mm, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think it was just like a sigh of. Anger, and I, I I don't think I was like going through. Oh, should I still support him and not or not? You know, like I it was definitely like okay, this is true. He admits to it. Like this is what it is. I cannot continue to support him. I think that felt pretty immediate to me. Um, but you know, I'm not so, like I'm not going to go back in time and say, "Oh, I never supported his work or his art," because I certainly did, right? Yeah. Like that's just a lie. Like I supported the work. I thought, you know, he's a very funny comedian. Um, the two things are not mutually exclusive. Um, but I cannot, you know, he has money of mine, right? I have yeah. like given him money to go see his shows, to support his work, to support his his films and his TV. Um, and he will not get another dollar from me. I cannot continue to watch him or support him. Um, you know, this happens, right? Like this is so normalized in our culture that men Um, sexually harass and assault women that it's not shocking to me even though he is someone who you know I don't know him personally I've never met him I've seen him live he's a great performer live right but I don't know him and I've never been in a private space with him Um, and so I think sometimes we really idolize our heroes and we put them up on these pedestals and just don't want to and I think that's why maybe for so long even when rumors have come out We've chosen to ignore them. I mean, think about somebody like Bill Cosby, yeah. right? There were rumors about him for years. There were women that were coming out on TV shows talking about um, his sexual abuse. But we collectively, as a society that like that watched his show and adored him, put him on this pedestal of, you know, this is Cliff Huxtable. Like, this is like America's dad. We're never going to look at him like that because yeah. we idolize him. And I think the same could be said for... Louis C.K. and the same could be said for even Al Franken, right? Where liberals really have, you know, he has challenged a lot of the Republican, um, uh, like ideologies coming forth through Congress and through Trump's White House this year. He was really strong during the Senate confirmation hearings and asked a lot of pointed questions and Mm -hmm. he was really seen as a hero to many people certainly to me Um, and so I think people it's hard for people to sort of take a look at their own heroes and find them to be flawed right and that's a problem with putting people up on a pedestal and idolizing them is that we're all you know nobody's above any of this right like people can can um people can be good politicians but bad people yeah, right I mean, and that's weird for people to understand i think no yeah and it's really frustrating too because you know what i, I have been one of those people who is like idolize some people or like really put them on a pedestal so you know and i have to, i'm kind of going through that now like looking at your heroes fall um no one wants to see like you know um 
Kevin Hart, the man that cheats on his wife when she's pregnant and on her <laughs> birthday. Right. He made a joke. He says no one wants, wants to see their dad get beat up because like your dad is like a hero. Right. And that's like a really big thing. But I I feel like that's a that's an unfair analogy, right? Because it's like you don't want to see your dad beat somebody else up, right? Like it's well, not like you're just getting beat up for nothing. Like like they're getting criticized for their actions, right? Yeah. That they they took part in, right? Like they abuse women, yeah. they harass women, they did really awful things, and now they're getting called out for it, yeah. and they're getting punished for it. But it's not like they're just getting beat up for nothing. Yeah. Well, Alyssa, I have a question for you. Sure. We're gonna switch to Al Franken for you. Do you think Al Franken should resign? Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. And like the way I see it's a hard question is not necessarily because I obviously don't agree with what he did. I find it very disheartening. Yeah. And as Jackie said, I don't think like being a good politician and being, a, a you know, accused of a sexual harassment or sexual assault are necessarily mutually exclusive. Like you can be a good politician and also be like a pervy guy. Um, but that aside, like there's a certain level of hypocrisy to it because like whenever Republicans get into stuff like this, they don't resign. They say, oh, it's fake news. It's just allegations. They don't own it. They don't resign. Um, and then look what happens. Like they keep their seats um, and they keep their power. And then like the flip side of that is like when liberals do things like this, um, like they think the right thing to do is resign because generally speaking, you know, that is the right thing to do. But then it's like there's this power dynamic like Roy Moore is not going to step down out of the race he's going to continue to go forward and he's been alleged of being a pedophile um you know and a child molester um donald trump literally had a tape come out where he said when you're rich i just start kissing her when you're rich you you know you can grab the girl by her you know what and you can do whatever you want and you know he said oh this is just locker room talk and there's been 16 women that have accused donald trump of sexual assault and donald trump did not step down he has not resigned he did not jump out of the race he is the president. Yeah. So on one level, I think on, from a moral perspective, I think anybody, Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives accused um, of, you know, sexual assault um, and there's some evidence that it might be true should step down. And when I say some evidence, it might be true because there is still, at least in criminal court, a presumption of evidence. Um, and in some cases, maybe there are allegations that are false. But those are, I think, the the, the rarity, not the norm. Um, but at the, on the other level, it's like. You know, why should Democrats step down when Republicans don't? Because then because Republicans wrong. are just going to keep running the Senate and we're going to keep getting screwed on taxes, health care and everything else. Jackie? Yeah, it's a really it's a tough question. But I think I mean, the way that I feel about it is that we've spent certainly on this show the past few weeks talking about how uh, awful it is that Republicans continue to support Roy Moore despite what he's accused of doing because they are just like so horrified to get a Democrat into office that they're willing to elect an alleged child molester. Um, and you know, the, the, like we as progressive people have spent the past few weeks talking about how sick and disgusting we think that is yet at the same time, you know, we're not so perfect ourselves because a lot of people are saying keep Al Franken in office because it's better than having a Republican, right? And so yeah. what would we rather have? Uh, a Democrat who is accused of harassing and abusing women or a Republican that's never, um, you know, never harassed or sexually abused a woman? I, you know, that's the question that we have to answer. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. So guys, we're going to, go, going to go on a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation of whether Al Franken should resign and some of the politics behind it as well. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Now 
We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Do you know what today is? Today is a day where we say happy belated birthday, Selena Hill, because unlike last year, I was there for your birthday and joined all your friends in taking unnecessary photos and Snapchats of you. But we are not here to talk about Selena's birthday, which was yesterday. Happy Big 3-0, by the way. We are here to talk about the growing number of creepy men who are sexually harassing, allegedly sexually assaulting, being pedophiles, getting banned from malls, and even masturbating in front of women without their permission. We are talking about all those people. And when we went on break, we were talking about Senator Al Franken, whose accuser came out and t- shared her story about what had happened. And I had asked Alyssa if she thought that Al Franken should resign. And I asked Jackie as well, and she gave her answer. But I'd like to share with you guys what I think. I do not think that Al Franken should resign. And here is why. His accuser, his, he apologized to his accuser. And she forgave him and said, I don't actually think he should resign. I think, like, you know, what he's doing is important. If, the, if like, he apologized sincerely or the accuser feels like it was, a, it was a sincere apology and she forgave him. And it's not something as egregious as sexual assault or being a pedo. Why can't we let them move on? I mean, I think it's a good question. Um, I had a friend that wrote this really eloquent Facebook post um, after the Me Too campaign came out, where he had seen this guy that he knew um, admit to sexual assaults on his Facebook status and said, like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, he admitted to the Internet that he had done this and that he was sorry and he felt bad. And all these people were responding, like, so brave of you to come forward. What? and blah, blah, Yeah. And, um, you know, my friend who's Jewish like me um, wrote this thing that said, you know, on Yom Kippur, we say, like, you need to apologize to God, but you also need to atone to the person that you wronged. Like, that's a big part of Yom Kippur, which yeah. is the day of forgiveness and, you know, atonement. Is I that know, Jackie, I'm Jewish. You, yes, you are Jewish. Everybody in this room is Jewish, so we all know. Um, but for those that are listening that may not. Um, and so you apologize to God, but you also apologize. You have to apologize to the person that you wronged, right? In this case, this guy was apologizing to the internet. He was not apologizing to the woman that he had ab- abused. And um, my friend was making the point like, you know, you need to do that. You can't just like absolve yourself of all your sins by just putting it out there because not even God can forgive you for the individual sin. You have to you have to apologize to the person themselves. Right. That is the hardest act to do is to go to somebody that you wronged and and ask for forgiveness and apologize. Right. So I think that it says a lot that he did that. And the fact that she forgave him and said that she thinks that she he should stay in office, I think. In part, it's important to listen to her, right? Like, it's it's one thing to, you know, commend her for coming out and talking about her abuse, but it's another thing to actually, like, listen to what she needs and what yeah. she's asking for. And I think sometimes we get too caught up in the issue and we don't actually listen to the person that was abused in the first place and yeah. what they want to see happen. Yeah, like, look at the women that, that accused Bill Cosby or the women that accused Trump. You know what they've gotten? Death threats. Right. They've gotten ridiculed. We can't even remember half their names. Right. In those cases, or Roy Moore, who literally, this is what Roy Moore did. He's so freaking disgusting. He he went to this girl's job where she was working, asked for her number, then tried to call her. And he's like, where are you? She goes, I'm in Trig. And she wouldn't accept his advances. So he went to the school 
and had them call her from the PA system to come to the principal's office so he could ask her out on a date. I mean, here's the more egregious thing about the Roy Moore thing is like while this was all going on, he was a district attorney. Okay, preying on women, young women at young girls at custody hearings. Yeah. I mean, like he was literally the person in charge of being the top lawyer who prosecuted people for committing crimes in the area where he was. And he himself was soliciting young girls, Um, you know. And but here's the other thing about that twofold. Number one, um, evangelicals are like who claim to be like this moral compass. That's why they oppose gay marriage and oppose abortion um, and everything else under the sun. And yet literally came out this week and said that it was worse to elect a Democrat than it was to elect a pedophile. Well, so, one second, Alyssa, I'm th- sorry, because that, that brings up something for me. What does that say about the tribalism that we have in our parties? And I, I'm very quick to say that people are racist and they're disgusting and that's why they're Republican. But when you can say that a child molester, a uh, child molester is better than a Democrat, what does that say about how people think about the opposite party? And, like, you know, we know how I feel about Republicans because I talk about it all the time. But is have we gotten to a point where tribalism is just too freaking deep now? I, I mean, it is. And, and this sort of plays into the question about Al Franken. However, um, you know, whereas, like, that's, that's the tribalism question and what Jackie was talking about. However, there is obviously a distinct difference between... Um, you know, being an, an alleged pedophile and going after 14 and 16 year old girls um, and, you know, what Al Franken was accused of. And also the second thing that that makes that different um, is what Jackie said. Al Franken has owned it. He has apologized. The woman has accepted his apology. That doesn't make his conduct better at all. However, with Roy Moore, he's denying it. There just keeps becoming more evidence, more evidence, more evidence. And he says it's fake news. It's not true. He denies it. He doesn't own it. So, you know, we have to also talk about it that when an acute when somebody who's accused owns it, that doesn't discount or make make it better uh, the conduct of what they did. But it does say that they've acknowledged that they're doing something wrong and that they are at least trying to move towards fixing it versus denying that the conduct happened to be, to begin with. Jackie? I, I totally agree with that, but I do think that we find ourselves falling down a slippery slope when we say, well, what he did wasn't as bad as what this other guy yeah. did. And so I, I just... You know, I discourage people from kind of falling down that path of saying, well, you know, because there is a clear distinction between um, the acts of Senator Franken and Roy Moore. Right. But I am not going to say, you know, like what what Al Franken did wasn't so bad versus what Roy Moore did. Like, I don't think that is helpful ultimately. And I don't think I think we can find ourselves getting into this really nasty uh, position where we are defending the behavior of some because it's not quote unquote as bad as the behavior as others and then you know letting it pass right because ultimately what happens is you know Al Franken as much as we all may like him he's a senator he's a person in power he did what he did he admitted to it right yeah. he owned up to it um, but you know it's not like there's like a set number of people that can be and are eligible to be elected to these positions. Right. And so I think we need to start looking at who are we electing? You know, do we give this a pass or do we put somebody and replace Al Franken with somebody who, you know, hasn't, who's as progressive, but hasn't 
sexually abused a woman. But who's as progressive but doesn't have as much experience and doesn't have as much power and doesn't have as much influence. That's 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 the real debate. But guys, if you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you're on Facebook Live, leave us comments and we will read them. I do have a question I want to ask you guys. I'm going to throw this one to Alyssa first. So, Alyssa, what if Roy Moore admitted that he di- he did creep on these underage women? And he apologized for it. And they forgave him. And he served prison time and ran for office. And then this came out. Would you still have a problem with him running for office? Um, I mean, listen, with him running, no. Anybody has the right to run for office if they want to, if they're not otherwise barred for by law. You know, listen, like, you know, this also plays into um, and and, and it's up to the voters. You know, that's why I don't think Roy Moore should drop out. I think the voters should decide. Do you want Roy Moore, the alleged pedophile, or do you want Doug Jones, the moderate Democrat? Let the voters make that choice. I don't think the, the Republican Party should interfere. But to get back to your initial question, this plays into the idea of recidivism and not just with sex offenses, with all offenses and and atonement and doing your time. Right. If we say that somebody that we don't like because they're a Republican like Roy Moore, like hypothetically gets accused, goes to jail, apologizes, goes to jail, serves their time and then wants to be atoned and run for office. And we say, no, they can't do it. Then what we are also saying is that anybody in this country who has ever been convicted of crime, which, you know, is mostly people of color because of the war on drugs and mass incarceration and all the other issues that we've talked about on other shows, because, of course, I don't want to divert too far. That is an issue for another show. If we say that you cannot do your time and then try and run for office, whether it's a sex offense, a robbery offense, a drug offense or whatever, then what we are essentially saying is that everybody who's ever been convicted of a crime is irredeemable. So I am not willing to go so far as to say that if you have been convicted of a crime and you have gone to jail and done your time, whether it's a sex offense or whether it's some other offense, that you should not be allowed to run for office. Now, if you've been convicted of a sex offense, do I think that should ban you from becoming a teacher? I'm working in a school with children. Yes. Um, But do I think that should necessarily ban you from running for office? I don't know, because that, like I said, raises all these questions about who has been convicted of a crime and whether or not they should be able to get a job doing X. And if we say one person can't get a job doing X because they've been convicted of a crime, then we basically say anybody who's ever been convicted of a crime can no longer be employed. And that's like exactly the opposite of what we've been right. trying to fight against in the criminal justice aspect. So, you know, that's 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 where I stand on that, Jackie. Yeah, no, I think that that poses a really interesting legal issue, right? I mean, obviously this isn't like what we're talking about when we talk about Roy Moore or Al Franken, but um, there are, you know, the laws in this country certainly are not executed justly. And there have been cases where minors have been charged with, you know, child pornography for texting pictures of themselves or, uh, you know, to their partners or, you know, who are the same age of that as them, even That's though they're true. 17 years old. Right. So, like, it gets into this weird area when we talk about banning people from running for public office or from voting or for whatever based on illegal activity, because as we know, the laws in this country are not always executed um, fairly or justly or equitable. So and we've asked this question on plenty of other shows. But we always end up right back here. Why don't people believe women? Why does it always take this long? People knew that Louis C.K. was a creep. Yeah. And it took until like the, and and I'm sorry this is going to offend some people, but it became trendy to believe women, to believe them about this. 
Come on. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's been a huge cultural shift. Like someone who I've been thinking about this past these past few weeks a lot is Anita Hill, right? Who had a Senate... Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. Absolutely. Like, Monica Lewinsky was the person that that took the hit. Really? But she was... She had to smuggle a dress with a stain on it out of there so people would believe her. It it ruined her career. Yeah, but it ruined her career. No, no, I'm not, like, questioning that it ruined her career. I'm saying, was that, like, assault or harassment? That was... Well, was, well, yeah, because arguably, a position of power. yeah, this is the most powerful person in the yeah. world who is also her boss, you yeah. know, who acted on a position of She's power. She's an intern. She's an intern, yeah, right? You're right? And it ruined her. You know, he really didn't suffer the way that she did for, she, for that. He barely yeah. did it all, right? And so, um, you know, but Anita Hill is someone who, you know, wanted to anonymously complaint she was approached by i believe the justice department when they were doing an investigation of clarence thomas leading up to his nomination for the supreme court and she filed an anonymous uh memo that said that you know was supposed to be sealed that said this is what he did during my time working for him um and you know this is what i like i can't in good faith say that he would be the best person for this job because of my experience with him this was supposed to be a sealed document that was not supposed to be let out it was leaked by some senator to the Mm -hmm. press and then the senate had a huge a huge hearing where they you know question every single part i mean it was hours and hours and hours long where she had to go through in great detail all the things that clarence thomas did to make her uncomfortable to harass her in the workplace um and no one believed her and at the end of the day you know, Clarence Thomas is still on the bench, right? And I think we've come a long way since then. I feel so happy to be living in a time where women are being heard finally. Um, and I think there's been a huge cultural shift. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, Trump's election, the Women's March. I think a lot of women saw this January when they came out in mass numbers. I mean, it's one of the largest, if not the largest march in U.S. history. Um, all these women came out and saw, okay. Like, we're out here. We all care. We all have each other's backs and we will support each other as we come forth and share our stories and talk about how hard it's been to be a woman um, and, you know, the challenges that we face in this country. And so I think that women, I think that was a really huge turning point for women in this country to see, okay, here are all these other women surrounding me. I feel like they have my back. I can come forth with these allegations and trust that other women will believe me and support me, even if no man will. Right. I mean, listen, I think part of the reason why women, you know, haven't been believed like historically um, is men. Um, And I don't say that like to be sexist. It's just like, you know, like for some reason, men discount women's feelings about certain things. There was an article. It was in Very Smart Brothers. And he was writing about his wife. And he was talking about how he doesn't trust his wife and he said it's not that I don't trust that she's not going to make me the dinner I like or it's not that I don't trust that she's not going to cheat on me I know she's not he said I don't trust her feelings when she comes to me and she tries to say that there's a problem I automatically act like oh, it's probably not so bad, or she's blowing it out of proportion. And he's like, and then I started to realize I don't trust her feelings. I don't trust when she comes and tells me about her feelings that that's actually how we're feeling. And I think that's part of the problem is that for some reason, 
men are taught, and this is a societal thing, that women are crazy, quote right. unquote, and they blow things out emotional of control. Emotional because and of they're emotional. Their and, you know, for whatever reason. And so when women come and they say, I'm upset about something because this thing happened, you know, men are just like conditioned to be like, eh, it's not so bad. You're making a big deal about it. And then that's why we get back into that whole conversation about, like, what was she wearing? How was she acting? White people also do this, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this, actually. And it reminds me of um, a white person jumped into my inbox on Facebook and was contesting something that I had said, and they were trying to tell me what I said. And I said, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And they said, no, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and I said to the, no, no, I just blocked the person. I'm like, at this point, we don't need to do this. But um, Jackie, go ahead, and then we have to get to our caller online. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a position of power, right? When you're a person in power, you don't view yourself as a bad person, right? And so you don't you don't think of yourself necessarily as an active oppressor. And so when somebody's coming to you and saying, like, this is my experience, this is how I'm feeling, you see yourself, and you're like, well, I... I'm not a bad guy. I couldn't possibly be, you know, participating in this kind of behavior. So you must be wrong. You must be crazy for feeling the way that you do. And, you know, we see it in all sort of power structures in our society. Yep. So now we do have a caller online. Ralph, let your voice be heard. Yes, very good. Very good, gang. Uh, I'm glad somebody mentioned that this is a societal uh, issue, a societal problem, because this has been a trickle. Uh, Can you hear me? Am I coming in clear? We can hear you. All right. This has been a trickle-down kind of attitude towards a agenda. Really, it's been a, ba- a battle of the sexes kind of thing. And what happens is we, 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 we all get to be victimized by this here uh, hierarchical trickle-down attitude. And there was a time when, yes, there was men who was willing to jump up and, and, and take, take the bullets for these women. But then in the 80s, women would say, stay out of our business. This is a woman's thing and, you know, woman's issue and so forth. So a lot of men backed off. Therefore, it gave a rise to a lot of those scrupulous, scrupulous um, characters of high places. And there's, there's, there's a, a document out now. I just want to say this real quick. I don't know how much time. It's called Justice Denied. Okay? Justice Denied is a documentary of the military of all these, uh, 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 <clears throat> these kind of crimes. You know, against uh, the, the uh, lower class, lower class officials, and is predominantly a rape against males by other males, and at the same time, there is a certain percentage of women high-ranking officers that have been subjected to this here also, but now then they became subjects of other females. I was in the military, and there's been a lot of stuff going on. So that's justice denied where people can look it up and, and get their own you know, opinions of it. But now there's also something real quick. There's some update statistics on. Uh, it's called the California, uh, uh, the California CASA. California CASA. Um, you can Google it up, and it gives, gives some um, percentage details on the, the increase on women versus woman offenses, and one reason why they have been keeping it under hush-hush only because they did not want to uh, 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 betray the GB, LGBT community. So, so uh, um, thank you. I'm not really sure I followed all of that. I mean, I followed some of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, sexual assault in the military is definitely underreported. 
Um, so I definitely followed that part. Um, that's like, I, I feel like it's related to the show we're doing, but it's also sort of like another show yeah. uh, because like it's a whole other issue in and of itself. Um, I'll let Jackie jump in And now. it is true. I, I think what our caller was saying, I, I'm a little bit thrown off, but I think one of the things that our caller was bringing up was that men are victims of sexual assault as well, which is absolutely true. And we've been hearing a lot of those stories as well, um, which is really important to you know highlight and believe men when they say that they've been victims of assault. Yeah. So, guys, we do have to wrap up this conversation. I want to give you guys a chance to give some closing thoughts. Jackie, go ahead. Um, I just got a text from one of our listeners that I want to – I made this point, but I want to reiterate it, that um, one of our listeners said, every time I hear someone say that Bill Clinton wasn't so bad because Monica was a consenting adult, it infuriates me. He totally ruined her life. I think that's so true. I think that there are so many women who have – had their careers, their lives ruined by men. Um, and we've sought to justify their behavior because they consented or because this, that, or the other thing. And we've sought to rationalize and, and sort of normalize this behavior. And if there's one good thing that's coming out of all these horrible stories, and, you know, Stanley read the list. It took a good five minutes at the start of the show to read through that entire list of men who have been accused of sexual assault um, in recent weeks. I think one good thing that's coming out is that we're believing these women. You know, it's about damn time, but we are believing these women. We want to hear more about their stories. We are, you know, sort of boycotting the, for the most part, obviously, Roy Moore's approval ratings are very high right now, which is unsettling. He's but, actually behind in most polls. For the- yeah. Oh, well, that's a change, and that's great. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we are really seeing a shift um, I think it's something that, you know, Anita Hill certainly fought for. And, you know, it, she sort of led this charge of coming forth. I mean, it's been happening for years, right? Like women have come out and society just hasn't believed them. But um, I think, you know, the fact that we're finally believing women and, and holding people accountable for their own individual actions is very important. Um, yeah, so uh, two two quick comments. One, um, to close it out. The first about Roy Moore um, and the presumption of innocence. Roy Moore, like every other American in the country, has a presumption of innocence when it comes to uh, a court of law and, and criminal charges. Uh, that, of course, gives him the right to remain silent and the right to an attorney. But it does not give him the right to a Senate seat. That is up to the voters to determine that whether or not they believe the women and whether or not they believe the allegations are credible and true, and to make that determination accordingly when going to the polls. Uh, When we say presumption of innocence, we are talking about a court of law. We are not talking about the court of a public opinion, and we are not talking about the court of the voters um, and who they decide they want to elect. Uh, But on the bigger picture issue, on the general note, what I will say is men speak to women, speak to your girlfriends, speak to your mother, speak to your sister, speak to your female friends, ask them about times that they have been sexually harassed um, and in some cases maybe sexually assaulted. Ask them, ask them about their stories. They may not want to come forward and talk about it because they may be embarrassed, upset, um, anxious, or many, many other things. Ask them, go to them and say, have you ever been subject to sexual harassment? Have you ever been subject to sexual assault? Let's talk about it. Because guess what? 
That's what we need to continue to do in this country. We need men to continue to talk to women about the things that they are going through. And we need men to listen to them and believe them when they talk. And that's how we are going to move this conversation forward. Um, and, and, you know, and, and not, you know, continue where we are. Because at the end of the day, sexual assault and sexual harassment is not okay. And until we change society and society's views on it, we're not going to get anywhere. So we need to continue to have those conversations. Um, I'm going to make this one a bit personal. Uh, this is going to suck the hair, but if you are a man, you have the capacity and the ability to be a sexual assaulter, to be a sexual harasser, to be a sexual, a sexual predator, to be an abuser, just to be overall trash to women. And how do I know that? Because I have been trash to women. I have been a harasser to women. You know, I could have been an abuser to women and... A lot of times that happens, like, we, we can talk about all the ways that we are raised and all the things that we are taught growing up and how those impact the way that we think, breed, act, and even perceive women. But at this point, you get a chance in your life to make a choice about the kind of person you're going to be, about the kind of man you want to be to the women in your life and even the women that you don't know. And it's time for us to just step up. Because for a long time, I was disrespectful to women. I said hurtful things to women. I cursed out women who did not like me. I, I catcalled women. You know, I thought that women owed me sex because I had this idea in my mind that what a woman thought or felt did not matter. That is not weird among men. And if you're being honest with yourself, you know I'm telling the truth. And we have to kill that thought process. And until we kill that thought process, until we stop telling boys it's okay to be mean to a girl that you like, until we stop telling people that if a woman says no, it just means try harder, until we look at ourselves and say, am I an abuser? And the answer to that would yes, we are always going to have these problems. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be a new week of a new man doing something new and disrespectful and dis and disgusting to a woman. It's on us. And even if you've never done anything like this, you've probably enabled it in one way or another. Because you know what? Men are trash. We just are, unfortunately. And we don't always call each other out. We almost never call each other out. And by not calling each other out, we become complicit. So that's my message to you on this one. And with that being said, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. But when we come back, it'll be the news roundup. And I promise it won't be as sad as this segment was. Or maybe it will be. Alyssa. What? What if I told you I loved you? I give you a big hug. Would you Aww. believe that I wouldn't cheat on you? <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. What was I crooning so smoothly and know. softly? You might be trash. 112 Cupid. Yeah, you know, a little bit, like 98%. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> we just finished a conversation about, not the epidemic, it's not the epidemic, it's always been happening. We're just finally calling out men for sexually assaulting, harassing, being perverts, raping, or disrespecting women. And you know what? We talked about some high-profile celebrities, but everyone has a capacity to be a harasser. When I was six years old, believe it or not, you guys are going to laugh at me, I was a harasser, and people accepted that. So, men, we need to really step up and get our crap together. But now let's shift gears because it is the news roundup, and we are here to talk about things that made us laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or maybe 
poured down some watered-down whiskey with ginger because the bartender last night did not know how to mix a drink. It is the news roundup. <laughs> Yo, we call so many people out on this show. Oh, We're my God. Get right? Thank no, God no one listens no names, to the show. Name no names. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, if you're smart enough, never mind. I'll say that off the air. Yeah. Um, I was like, if you're smart enough, you could figure out where we were last night, essentially. Our restaurant. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I have a news one, story. One more tangent, Alyssa. I'm sorry. Marilyn and I were talking about it this morning. I, how much do you think that bill was for them at dinner at the end of the night? Because the way they were looking at the receipt, I know it was bad. It was, yeah, it did not. There was a, a, a solemn uh, sort of quiet, <laughs> a hush came across the room. Yeah. I'm sure it was. Uh, I had leftovers for dinner. That's why I don't do And then dinners. I waited outside a police precinct for Jackie. Yeah. yeah. It was fun and interesting. That was we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I have a story. You want to know what my story is? What is it? Two hundred and ten thousand gallons of no downside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and what I am talking right. about is last year or two years ago, Donald J. Trump, the so-called president, um, then so-called sexual harasser um, and abuser, um, said so sad that Obama rejected the Keystone Pli- uh, Pipeline. Thousands of jobs, good for the environment, no <laughs> downside. And now um, we are having, South Dakota is currently enjoying, and this is a John Fuselgang uh, tweet, so I'm, I'm, it's not my uh, language, but um, South Dakota is currently enjoying 210,000 gallons of no downside following yeah, right. a major leak of the uh, South Dakota pipeline. So, um, you know, for all those people who, like, I hate to have to tell you, I told you so, uh, but we told you so. Yeah. 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 We literally told you so. We had a whole segment about telling you so. (sighs) Last year, Native Americans were out there on Thanksgiving literally trying to block this pipeline from happening. And this year, there are 210,000 gallons of oil spilling into South Dakota onto reservations. So, you know, it just makes me Good for the environment. Right. No (sighs) downside. I mean, this is... uh, And we said so because this has happened before, right? It's not like we were just being conspiratorial and saying, oh, you know, but there's the slight chance. Like, no, this happens. Infrastructure breaks down. Uh, Our country is certainly not known for its great infrastructure, uh, building pipelines or otherwise. Um, We could talk about our subways in a little bit. Um, And, you know, this was inevitable. And the scale at which this this spill is happening is is tremendous. It's going to ruin people's lives. It's going to decimate the environment. Um, but you know, some people have to make a profit, so guess everything else is up for grabs. You know what? You know what makes me sorry. You go. No, first I was just saying, not for nothing. All the profits in the future are going to be in green energy, and we're exactly. going to be like so far behind uh, because it's we, embarrassing like, how far behind pulled we are. out of the Paris Climate Accord. So China is going to lead the way in green energy, um, and you know, start making even more money and become the world's number one superpower uh, because you know America's trash. I want to just take a second away from being a smug liberal, which I think we have been in this conversation so far. And 210 gallons of, like, that disgusting oil, crude oil spilled. And this isn't like 2010 when you had Barack Obama in office where he was going to try at least somewhat to hold BP oil accountable and do some cleanup. You have people who they're siding a thousand percent with corporations. So a bunch of people who are not going to have clean drinking water, who are going to lose thousands of dollars, who may lose their homes, who may be, like, affected with their health, there's not going to be any help for them at all. Right. No protections. Right. Because this is like, we're stripping away environmental protections. We're stripping away, um, taxes that would go to benefit these people and, you know, help like, and on top of it, we're just 
giving power to corporations to do what they will at our expense. It's right? not even just that. I mean, those things, too. But, like, think about right now. Like, if this happened during the Obama administration, they'd be sending help. We are going to provide support for these families. That's not going to happen at all. There's still no power in Puerto Rico. <sighs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, right, like there, there's not, there's going to be no help given to these families. And there's no, there's, under this administration going, we are not going to see any regulations to keep anything like this from happening in the future. And I think we should expect more incidents like this to happen under the current administration. And expect less from the government. Exactly. That's what we should do. We should expect the government to do nothing be about left any for of all this. of us to fix. But, you know, speaking of the government doing nothing about everything, let's talk about the subways for a second. And oh. I know for those of you who are listening from out of town. I don't know um, that I have a lot to say. About you know, this like this is, um, you know, probably not an issue for you, but there was this scathing piece that came out in the New York Times yesterday um, about essentially how the government has been in New York has been robbing the subway system blind uh, for like many, many years. And that's why the subway system does not run um, and all the signals are messed up. But hey, there's Wi-Fi. Stanley. Yeah. So a couple of things from this New York Times report, they went through all the books of the, of the MTA and they found out a couple of things. One, Governor Cuomo is as, is as horrible and incompetent with the MTA as we thought. He took he shuffled out five million dollars to pay for a ski resort that had had slower business because it was getting warmer. Climate, climate change, change. Duh. And then he's taken out one hundred and thirty six million dollars just to focus on doing a study on lights on the Tappan Zee Bridge. And then before Cuomo, when it's Shel- a li- it's a light show. And it's sorry, not the Tappan Zee Bridge anymore. It's the Mario. It's the Mario Cuomo, Cuomo Bridge. What yeah. a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And then Sheldon Silver, who was the speaker of the assembly for forever until he was arrested for corruption and then probably let go from corruption because, you know, the Supreme Court said said that's not corruption anymore. Yeah. Taking bribes for policies, not corruption. Unbelievable. Anymore. But anyways, he forced the like he forced the MTA to work on um, a, a transportation hub in lower Manhattan that did nothing to improve signals, nothing to hire more staff to help with the delays. But instead, spent pretty much $1.5 billion on that one project. Mm-hmm. Yes. These are the kind of issues we've been having in the MTA. Meanwhile, derailments are happening at a higher rate, the highest rate since probably the 80s. Track fires are happening at a higher rate. We don't have enough mechanics to go fix the trains. We don't have enough staff on hand. And the technology we're using to run the trains are from 1932. And if you're trying to figure out how to get around on the weekend, like yesterday, it's like a Jenga puzzle. <laughs> you got to figure out if you got to go uptown, downtown, right. all around the town just to get to where you're going. I mean, I think, you know, this is a very regional issue. And like we said, if you're listening and you're not in New York City, you might think that this doesn't affect you. But I think that what's happening with the New York City transit system is very emblematic of some of the political, the broader political issues that we're facing as a country, right? Where we see this development divide between individual freedom and the the common good. And you see people who are car owners who don't want to pay for the the common good. They don't want to contribute. They are often more well off. They can lobby. They can advocate for you know their rights. Whereas those of us that are benefiting from the common good, um, which is our mass transit system that benefits us all, um, are see our rights squashed. And what we see is less money being invested in the system. We see the system failing because you know for an elected leader, it's not very sexy 
policy to put money at, into maintenance, right? Yeah. Elect, uh, uh, governor Cuomo, the governor of New York, um, had a champagne toast on New Year's Eve to open the Second Avenue subway, which is pretty hilarious. There's because, water leaking into the station. Well, aside from that, right? You know, <laughs> these are three stations that took uh, cost over four billion dollars to build. They were years. years overdue. Um, I mean, we started talking as a city about building these stations a hundred years ago, and on top of that. Soon, months later, we started to see our trains uh, failing. And there was a huge train derailment up here in Harlem. There was another one in Brooklyn. Um, We saw consistent breakdowns, delays in the system. And, you know, we as commuters keep paying more and more. Our fares just went up this past year. And we're going to expect more fare hikes in the years to come. So we see, and I think, you know, we're going to talk more about this GOP tax plan in a few. Um, But I think that what we see in that is similar to what we're seeing with our transit system in New York City, which is that more and more government is taking its own money out of the system and putting the burden, the financial burden and sort of the emotional burden of the transit system on the backs of our of our commuters. So now, guys, I want to do something like a new segment creating that we're probably going to forget by next week called (laughs) just a dash of Russia. (laughs) <laughs> What's new in Russia this week, guys? Well, Donald Trump Jr. is, oh my God, how was one person this stupid? So apparently, WikiLeaks. Uh, like father, like son? I mean, I, yeah, that's like, how. No, this is like egregiously stupid, Allegedly? guys. This is WikiLeaks slid into his DMs during the election and was like, hey, and I'm paraphrasing, we want to give you information on Hillary that will make her look bad. He was like, awesome, I'll forward it to my friends. He passed it to Jared Kushner. Paul Manafort, and some other people on the staff. All this information leaked. You know what Donald Trump Jr. did? He just posted all the DM messages on Twitter for everyone to see. Again. Mm-hmm. Why does he keep snitching on himself? Alyssa? Um, I don't know why he keeps snitching on himself. Um, I can't answer that. But what I can answer um, is uh, this other question about, um, you know, whether or not Sorry, I lost my chain of thought. Um, I was going to say about what, like whether or not this is collusion. And the answer to that question is, I don't know, and it's really hard to tell, um, because the distinction in that is going to depend on whether or not he knew that the information that was coming from Julian Assange and WikiLeaks was actually coming from Russia, because you have to actually knowingly collude. Um, so if he kind of thought that the information that WikiLeaks had about Hillary Clinton might be coming from Russia, but he didn't really know and it wasn't definitive, then like, you know, him getting opposition research from WikiLeaks might, you know, although unethical and immoral, may not actually qualify as a crime. On the other hand, if he knew that WikiLeaks was acting as a cutout for the Russian government and that it was the Russian government that had dug up all the dirt on Hillary and he actually knew that, then he might be guilty of knowingly colluding with a foreign government. So at this point, um, It's really hard to tell uh, whether or not he has committed a crime or not. Um, But just like on the the level of stupidity, as you pointed out, I mean, it was literally like from uh, Donald Trump to WikiLeaks, Ray, which means, you know, like about uh, in law, let's collude, CC the entire rest of the Trump campaign. (laughs) Um, You know, so like obviously the brains are not all, you know, all the circuits up there, there, uh, you know, are not like making all these signals. Yeah. Um, You know, so, you know, they say he's the smarter brother, uh, but that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Jackie. I, I cannot add anything to that perfect analysis of that particular issue. It's just un, 
unreal. Um, real the stupidity quick, knows no bounds. R- real quick before we go to break, I want to end on one, you know, like really good note, which is in Oklahoma, which is a very, 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 very red state. Yeah. Can I add another very into that? Very. A Democrat who's a lesbian what? won a state Senate seat last Yay. week. Yay! So it's the bl- lit. blue wave is coming, baby. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the tax reform plan, how it's going to screw you, and how that's going to increase the chances of a blue wave in 2018. I don't know if you could take it. No, you want to see me naked, naked, naked. Paul Ryan, I'm going to go and cut the taxes for the rich. Are you poor? You don't need that pack of beans to eat for dinner. You're greedy and you're poor and you're also black. While wow, my rap skills have been eroding, eroding the glass. You want to rhyme? You want to rhyme China with China? Well, if, if Nicki Minaj can do that, why yeah, do right. I get criticized for my rap skills? Um, because you're lame. She rhymed lace front with lace front. That's <laughs> not a rhyme. She, she did it though, and like Selena was like, "Oh my gosh, she got bars." <laughs> Anyways, guys, just because she did it doesn't make do it not, a rhyme. Do not speak ill of Nicki on Selena's birthday. Fine, fine, fine. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on ninety point three FM WHCR, the Voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, we finished the news roundup where we talked about things that made us laugh, cry, curse, scratch our heads, or even just cat daddy in confusion. And if you're wondering who the we is, the we is me, Stanley Fritz. Also, the we is Alyssa Fuchs. And also the we is Jackie Cohen. And if you're wondering where the other we is, the alpha we, Selena Hill, she is off today because it is her birthday. She just turned 30, which means that now after two drinks, you will have a hangover for three years. That is the way your body works when you are in your 30s. But we are not here to talk about the way your body works when you are in your 30s. I want to tell you a story about my dad and some issues we were having a couple of years ago. When I was 16 years old, I decided that I wanted to go to college. And I said to my dad, hey, do we have money saved up to pay for my college? He said, no. I said, okay, that's not a good idea, but I want to go to college. He goes, okay, great. I have a plan. I said, great, dad. What's your plan? He said, very simply, we drive by the college you want to go to. We sneak you in the back window. (laughs) We steal some books and then we leave. True story. And I said, what? Like, what did you think? How does that solve the problem? He said, you want to be in school, don't you, boy? That was his response. And that's when I knew not to trust my father with any kind of adult decisions <laughs> pertaining to my college. That is pretty much what the Republican Party is trying to do with the economy right now. Did your dad write the GOP tax plan? He, he may have written it. Who knows, man? I don't know. Drinking the ginger beer and just like scribble, scrabble. You know, and next I like up, ginger beer. The man, you know, when they when it say they need money to pay for the school, say no. And Paul Ryan was like, yes, yes, this is amazing. No, but anyways, guys, like, I learned very quickly that my dad is not the person you want to be talking to when you want to make important decisions about college. Because even though he was enthusiastic about doing something, the something was not actually the best thing. In this case, the group that is do- trying to do something, but it's, that's very obviously not the right thing, is a Republican Party. And just like my dad, even though all signs point to this thing being horrible, the Republican Party refuses to listen. But get this. Just like my dad, both people, both groups had multiple years to figure this out. In the GOP side, they had eight years of watching Barack, Jaquan, Hussein Obama govern to come up with a tax plan that would help them pay off the rich people that that bribe them every single year while still not doing so poorly that like poor and middle class people would hate them. They had eight years to do this. They also had eight years to do this and find a way to balance the budget. And when it finally came time for them to do this, to roll out their tax plan things have stalled. Why? 
because all their plans, everything they can think of, would do one thing right and a lot of things wrong. So my dad's idea of getting me to the college campus by driving me there, that made sense. In theory, I'd be on a college campus, but then the rest of it was all just horrible because I'd probably be in prison and I wouldn't be admitted there. The GOP's tax plan is nothing more than one huge cut. Who likes to get their taxes cut and see more take-home pay? Raise your hand. We're, I do. We're all right? raising our hands, yeah. Exactly. Everyone's raising their hands, by the way, because you're on podcast, so you wouldn't know. But like everyone's raising their hand. So that sounds good in theory, but here is when the GOP tax plan becomes problematic. The GOP tax plan cuts the corporate tax from 35% to 20%. It, it contains a tax cut for people who want to own jets. Yes, private <laughs> jets. It also... Uh, works to eliminate the estate tax. If you're wondering what the estate tax is, it's a tax that goes on people who receive an inheritance, but it only happens if the inheritance is $5 million or more. So it literally only impacts a handful of people. They want to raise that and eliminate it so that people would not have to get taxed on inheritance. Are you like confused of what that means? So let's think about Gothamist and DNA Info, right? Two awesome publications. Their owner, who's also the owner of Chicago Cubs, closed down both those publications because they wanted to start a union. If you got rid of the estate tax, he would be open to making $800 million. Yeah. Just from that, right? And then within all these like shoots and ladders of tax cuts for the super rich, by 2018, which is like two and a half weeks from now, liter- not literally, but figuratively, 20% of people in New York and the United States would see a tax increase. By 2027, the our deficit would be over one point six trillion dollars oh there is more if you go to grad school you would not be able to write off your tuition on your taxes do you have student loans you cannot write off your student loan payments on your taxes are you a teacher you would not be able to write off the money you spend on extra supplies in the school because they don't fund schools well enough on your taxes but wait don't i get a tax deduction on my jet yes you get a tax deduction on your jet but the bill in all these ways is horrible and now it's so bad that only 16 percent of americans actually support the bill and 60 percent of americans believe that it will raise taxes on them and as bad as this plan is and as much as people hate it you know what the republicans did this week they passed a version of it that's right congress passed their version of this tax bill meaning now the senate has to pass something and negotiate and even though we believe that they might not be able to make it through there's a lot of energy and republicans might actually pass this tax plan which will fundamentally change our united states taxing system and be a huge redistribution of wealth from the poor to the rich welcome to america people and in this conversation what are we going to do we're going to talk about this plan who would hurt how we feel about it. Try to understand why the Republicans are doing this and give you guys some tangible things that you can do today, right now, at this moment, to push back and fight back against this tax plan. And before we start, I have a quick game I want to play just to give people some more ideas about like what's in the tax plan. So this is an easy multiple choice game. I'm going to ask Jackie and Alyssa to like, be good sports and just play with me. Okay. There is no wrong answer except for the wrong answer, but it is okay because I will correct you. Okay. So now... In order to get the estate tax and to cut the corporate tax rate to 20% for the super rich, Republicans have to find a way to make sure that it doesn't add to the deficit. Because if it does, they will need 60 votes to pass the bill in the Senate instead of 51. How do they do this? By A, raising taxes on the rich. B, punching babies. B. <laughs> or C, actually we have, we have four answers. D, C. gutting the, the individual mandate for health care. Or D, Donald Trump 
gets taxed for every time he uses suntan lotion. Uh, see. Although D is a good, I, I. <laughs> Alyssa. So I, I mean, the correct answer is A. Tax the rich. Um, but the correct answer for the Republicans right. is <laughs> right. uh, repeal uh. the individual mandate and take away everybody's health care. Right. Um, and just ding, let ding, me. Ding. Let Hold me. Up. Hold- Go, oh, go ahead. I, I mean, and like the reason why that matters is because it's not just a ma- people are people are saying, oh, well, if they get rid of the individual mandate, mm-hmm. then it just means you don't have to pay the penalty if you don't want to get insurance. But that's what they're missing the point. That's not the point. The point is the individual mandate forces healthy pe- healthy people to buy health insurance, right? Which makes he- the whole system work. Right. It doesn't it's- work when people only buy health insurance when they're sick. Right. Exactly. And so when healthy people buy in, it drives the course of co- cost of health insurance down. For everybody else, including those people that are sick. So if healthy people no longer have to buy in, then the cost of health care is going to go up and the sick people are not going to be able to afford it anymore. And they, too, are going to lose their health care. All right. I digress. Back All to right, you, Stan. I have another question for you guys. Yes. Now, the tax plan, they say every single person will get a tax cut, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my question for you is who gets the most out of this tax plan? A, poor and working class people. <laughs> B, nope. Ivanka Trump. C, elephants. <laughs> D, rich people who own businesses but don't actually make money through, like, through working. Or E, Barack Obama. Um, that's B, and D, D, and E. And E. Barack Obama? Yeah, he makes over $250,000 a oh, year. Oh, you're right about that. But pick one answer. It's the people who don't work and have the pass-through entities. There we go. It is so, D. So isn't it also B then? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's what I said. There's some overlap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the point is here, guys. So, like, we're talking about these pastors. What they're talking about is people who aren't. So, you have people who own small businesses, but, like, they still work at those businesses so they can make money. Like my boss. Yes. He would get taxed more. But say you had somebody who owned a business but doesn't actually do any work on there, and you're just making money on the equity, your taxes would go down. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, Alyssa's boss taxes would go up. The owner of the chip cup, which is a couple blocks away from here, they would go up. So poor and working class people would go up. And apparently it's called the cut, cut, cut bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it actually, like, our, our, I, our I know cu- you mentioned. cut spelled with a K. Yeah, yeah and, and by cut, they really mean raise your taxes if you make anywhere between $10,000 and $75,000. Yes. So that um, Steve Mnuchin can take pictures with money looking like the Bond villain while he gets a deduction Literal for Bond debt. villain. So, guys, if you have any questions or comments about this tax bill, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. Jackie? Yeah, I would recommend folks call in. Call in and let us know where you would fly with a private jet. Jet. If you if you had one and had a tax break on one, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, a few other things that I want you to mention, like um, so. Number one, if you live in a blue state, um, you get screwed oh, by this tax that bill. That was my next um, question. All right, Go because ahead. of the uh, the you know the salt tax. Basically, um, right now there is a deduction that allows you uh, to deduct state and local taxes that you pay. If you live in a high tax state like New York, that means you can take better advantage of that deduction uh, because we live in a high tax state. If they get rid of that deduction, it means that people that live in blue states will no longer be able to take that deduction and they therefore will pay more. Now, the idea of, I will say, the idea of trying to simplify the tax code is actually, in theory, a good idea. The tax code is very, very complicated. There are, you know, hundreds of different deductions and loopholes and all kinds of different things. And some of those loopholes and deductions do need to be closed. However, um, the way that the Republicans are 
passing this tax plan and trying to close these loopholes and deductions by saying you're going to get one large standard deduction, but they're going to get rid of all these other deductions. Um, you know, like that actually is going to cause tax increases. Another big deduction that's going to go away is the health care deduction. The health care deduction basically says that if you're somebody who needs health care um, and you not only and you pay for insurance, but you actually have to spend money out of pocket every year on medical expenses like doctor's appointments, medication, et cetera, et cetera, um, and you spend over a certain amount of money per year, then you can deduct that amount of money. That deduction would also go away. Another deduction that would potentially go away that you didn't mention, Stanley, uh, other that I haven't mentioned either, um, and of course- You're just, mentioning it now, right? Um, so mention it. Yeah, I know. And, and now I just got distracted. Um, all right, I'll come back to that. Um, uh, when I remember that, I'll tell you what that is. But there's the point is, there's all these deductions that are going to go away because they want to simplify the tax code, but the deductions that they want to take away are going to hurt m- middle class and working families. So the question I have for you guys now is- Everyone hates this tax plan except for the super, super rich. Why have Republicans been so hell-bent on... Like, this bill will hurt their constituents. This bill will hurt... (laughs) Oh, so, yeah, they never vote and support anything that would hurt their own constituents. Yeah, but, like, why is there so much lust and desire to hurt their constituents and hurt the country? Because rich people that donate to their campaigns, that put them into office, support this bill because they are the ones that stand to benefit. But is it really that simple? Are there not people who ideologically believe that this is the way you help the economy? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are, right? And, you know, like... We know about trickle-down economics, and there's, you know, people are open to this idea, and if you're really, if you know, if you are just, you really know nothing about economics, trickle-down economics seems to make sense. It's this idea that when you allow the richest class to have more access to their money, they'll be able to create jobs, they'll spend their money, they'll put that money back in the economy, and that money will trickle down to everybody else because they'll be creating jobs, be spending their money in businesses, and, you know, and what we know is that that just doesn't work. There's no, um, you know, the wealthiest, the ultra wealthy in this country are not suffering from lack of money to create jobs, right? This is not an issue. It's it's just a fake issue that we've created as this narrative in this country. It's not real. And they're not going to spend this money by creating jobs. They're going to be putting this money elsewhere. They're going to be putting it into creating jobs overseas. They're certainly not going to be creating jobs in this country. And what happens is that the middle and lower income classes um, end up paying more in taxes so that we can have access to nice things in this country and the rich get exempt from paying anything and contributing. So guys, we are going on a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to throw it to Alyssa and ask her about the politics of this bill and what's at stake. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're going on a quick break. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Jackie Cohen and Alyssa Fuchs. Selena Hill is not in studio today because she is celebrating her birthday. Not B-I-R-T-H, but B-U-R-F-D-A-I. <laughs> birthday. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Selena. And we are just talking about the Republican tax plan. When we walked away, I promise you, Alyssa would explain the politics of what's behind this and what's going on. And now she will because there are two different bills and there's lots of moving parts. Alyssa, hit us. Right. So, I mean, the politics of this are kind of complicated because in the House, it's already passed. So there's not really a lot to talk about in terms of politics in that respect. Um, Most of the, you know, every single Democrat in the House voted against.
against the House bill. Um, there was also a large amount of Republican defectors, um, mostly people that are representing people who live in high-tax states like um, Dana Robacker in California, like Peter King here in New York, um, who say this bill would harm my constituents. Um, so, But at the end of the day, even with all those Republicans' defections, the House bill still passed. Uh, so now the bill goes to the Senate because, you know, of course— uh, this is how a bill becomes a law, uh, in theory, you know, but there's also right. like money that has to change hands too. So yeah, don't right. forget about that. Right. Uh, but anyways, uh, so now once it gets to the Senate, really, it gets a little sticky because uh, just like the Obamacare repeal, which they failed miserably on the Senate, they can only afford to lose. I think it's two senators. And if two senators come out and vote against this bill, uh, then this bill will not pass and it will fail just like the Obamacare repeal failed. So what is going on right now? You have a group of senators that are very, very concerned about the deficit. They are the deficit hawks. And what they are saying is they do not know if they can support this bill uh, the way it is, because this bill would add money to the deficit. And they're basically actually being somewhat ideologically consistent. And they're saying when Barack Obama was president, we made a big deal about the deficit. And just because our people are now in charge doesn't mean we're no longer going to be making a big deal about the deficit. We're not going to be hypocrites. That's an issue that really matters to us. We don't know if we can vote for this bill. Then you have the Republicans uh, that are very pro-small business. Um, there was one of them that just came out the other day who said, you know, what Stanley was mentioning before, while this bill uh, helps big corporations, it does not necessarily help small businesses. No. And so there are Republicans that are coming out and saying, I have a lot of constituents that own small businesses. They are contacting me saying that this bill would harm them. I cannot support this bill. Then you have people like... Senator Collins from Maine, who's very moderate, who was the person who came out against the tax, uh, the uh, affordable care reform. She is concerned about this repeal of the individual mandate and she's concerned about some of the tax provisions. In addition, you have um, John McCain, who, you know, for, uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, who's probably dying um, and he is no longer there to play party politics and he is going to come out against a bill that he thinks is bad as for his constituents because he has nothing left to lose um, and he's going to do not what's best for his party but what's best for the people. Um, and so there's all these things at play which may end up turn out to a situation where Republicans cannot get the votes. Um, but as Jackie mentioned, this really all goes back to ideology and what works and what doesn't. And for some reason, Republicans continue to repeat the same things over and over and expect different results. And then it doesn't happen. And then they double down on it. And the best example of that is Kansas. This trickle down plan, they tried this in Kansas. It did not work. It failed miserably. And now they want to try it for the rest of the country. Guess what? It's going to fail miserably. And we all have to fight against this because it's only going to make our taxes go up despite their lies that Republicans want to tell us. Jackie? I don't know why you're turning it to me. Oh, I but thought Stanley had to talk. Sorry, <laughs> Stanley. Well, that pretty much sums up all the information that's happening over here. But like, so we've seen it fail in Kansas. We've seen it fail in New Orleans. Uh, Texas has kind of worked though, hasn't it? Um. Yes and no. You know, like the thing about Texas is 
that the economy in Texas is driven by oil. Um, Texas has a huge oil industry. Um, And so that has played into the conversation a little differently than it has in Kansas, um, where Kansas, you know, doesn't have the large amount of oil reserves that Texas has. Um, So, yes, there are places where it has worked, but, you know, it's very, very... you know, like specific circumstances right. that really do not specific. exist in many other states or nationally. Yeah. So say we're able to kill this bill, right? And Democrats get in power. And I'm going to throw this one to Jackie now. We do need tax reform, guys. What does that look like? What is in it? I mean, I think that we have a progressive tax policy that, um, you know, that includes charging the wealthiest I mean, the the income disparity in this country is enormous. It's one of the biggest in the world, if not the largest. It is. And this is only going to make it worse. This is only going to make it worse, as it has done. Um, and I think by taxing people at a fair rate, by taxing people the most who can afford to pay, um, you know, we're able to even this out. And so then we're not putting, um, you know, the state of our country's economy on the backs of low and middle income Americans. I think that we need to have a progressive tax plan that and like Alyssa said at the beginning of the segment that taxes are really difficult to understand. There needs to be a simplification about how people pay their taxes. Um, And, you know, people taxes make Americans angry, right? Because they see less of their paycheck coming home. They don't understand where their dollars are going. They're really difficult to figure out how to pay and what to, you know, where they then go to. And that's a problem. And that's something that we shouldn't ignore. And we shouldn't just assume that the Democrats have it down pat and the Republicans are the only ones that have it wrong. But this is something that will devastate our economy, will add a tremendous amount of of money to our debt. It will really negatively negatively impact low-income people, the middle class who will end up paying more, small business owners who will end up paying more, and who benefits at the end of the day? The richest of the rich, right? The people that already have a tremendous amount of money who can more than anybody contribute to our uh, our country's economy and to our, you know, they, they can afford to pay these taxes, yet they don't want to because of greed. <sighs> All right. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I know. Listen, the, like if I was going to do a tax reform bill, what I would do is, well, first off, there's two different tax codes. There's the individual tax code and then there's the corporate tax code. As for the corporate tax code, I would close loopholes and deductions that corporations can take that allow them to basically get away with, like, taking no money number um, or paying no money in taxes. Number two, I would have very strict rules about the offshoring of money when it comes to corporations. When it comes to the individual tax code, I would create a very progressive tax code um, that, you know, had a lot more brackets um, and that, you know, basically was very, very progressive in that every time you made a little bit bit more money, your taxes would go up, but it would still be fair. And that's, you know, if you look back to the Eisenhower administration and Eisenhower was a Republican, the top tax rate was 90%. And there was like 18 different tax brackets. And it seemed like it was more complicated, but it really wasn't. And it was actually a lot more simple. So that's what I would do if I was actually in power and got to create a tax plan. But what I will say about this from the general perspective is this. People are so disconnected from what their taxes go to do. Taxes pay 
for schools, they pay for roads, they pay for bridges, they pay for transportation. Right now we're in a situation where this is like reverse socialism. We are stealing from the poor to pay for the rich instead of stealing from the rich to pay for the poor. Either way, there's money being stolen, but instead of taking money from the people who can afford to give it out and helping out other people, we are taking money from the people who can least afford to give it out and giving it to the people that could most afford to give it out. That is absolutely disgusting, um, number one. Number two, for those of people who call themselves a Christian, this is absolutely the opposite of what Jesus would have asked for, so I want to throw that out there. And number three, your taxes go to pay for stuff that you use and that you like. Do you like when it snows and the snowplow comes around and plows the road? Yes, you do. Do you like when you go use the roads and there's not like 75 potholes in it and people patch them? Yes, you do. Do you want to subway system that runs and it runs smoothly and it doesn't cost a lot of money? Yes, that's what you want. Well, what the heck do you think pays for that? Taxes. So you know what? People need to start thinking about how their taxes go to pay for things that they really want and not to be so disconnected from taxes in the first place. Alyssa is fired up today. <laughs> so along while this, this tax conversation has been happening, one of the things that happened was the Panama Papers were released. And what we saw in that was a whole bunch of corporate millionaires and billionaires who had been hiding money offshores. So we know Apple had one place where they were hiding money where they could hide it from taxes. And then that place started getting taxed. So they worked with the lawyer to find another offshore base where they would not have to pay taxes on this income. A bunch of different people hiding these incomes. And like, you know, we're probably going to always make the case that people are stealing money through food stamps and these other pieces. But with this huge story with the Panama Papers, you saw a lot of millionaires and billionaires also stealing money and resources from the government. Why has there not been more noise about this? And why hasn't there been a bigger push to get some of that money back in? Jackie? Why has Because, I mean, the, you know... The rich rule yeah. everything. They're <laughs> the ruling class, scene, right? Like, no, I think that's what it is, right? Like, why do the rich get what they want and the rest of us they buy it. get nothing? Because they buy it. Because there's money in politics. Because money has tremendous influence. And that's why there's such a close connection between the two. And so that's why it's important for us to be talking about this issue and for folks to be aware. Because ultimately, you know, money can try to buy votes, but our votes can vote people that empower these very rich individuals um, to get out of office. Alyssa? You know, listen, uh, the last thing I'll say is there was a politician here in New York and he was arrested on some kind of corruption scandal. It was a state senator. That's a his, lot of people. His name is escaping <laughs> me. Um, but famously, when they put him in handcuffs and took him away, he said, and I quote, money greases the wheels of politics. And that's what it comes down to. Money greases the wheels. So the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer and the rich keep paying for their lobbyists to go to the Capitol and to ask Republicans to give them tax breaks. And Donald Trump would personally benefit from this tax bill and get a tax break on his private jet and on, you know, the estate tax um, while the poor continue to suffer and the wealth gap gets larger. Um, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the what happened just before the French Revolution. Revolution when Marie, Marie Antoinette famously said, let them eat cake. Stanley? What does she mean by that? So, guys, we do have to wrap this segment up. I'm going to give you guys a chance to get some closing thoughts if you have any. I, I think Alyssa gave hers. Jackie, do you have anything for us? Yeah, I think we should tax the rich. I, I think that's <laughs> fair. We should tax the rich. I'll, I'll, keep Done. This, I'll keep this short and simple. Not as short and simple as Jackie's, but I think that she's right. And 
and maybe my definition of what governing is is different from other people, but I think that to be in government and to govern is to be in service of the people and to like to be governing in what's best for the people. And when you start getting to a point in which you're not serving the people and you're not looking out for their best interests, you become an enemy of those people and you have to be removed from office. But the only way we can remove these people from office, the only way we can hold these people accountable is is if we actually move to hold them accountable. Republicans are pushing bills like this because they have to answer to their rich corporate donors. Millionaires and billionaires are the ones pushing for this tax bill. Millionaires and billionaires are the ones telling Republicans to not call them back if they don't get this bill passed. And even though we don't have their money power, we have people power. So if we are going to put a stop to this, we have to stand up, use people power, and call our representatives and tell them, vote hell no on this tax bill. And if you want to do that, if you want to be active, if you want to save us from a tax hell, you can call your U.S. Senator at 202-224-3121. Again, that is 202-224-3121. Resist always. We'll be right back. So, last but not least, as if you, you know, weren't already annoyed enough about the tax plan and the amount of sexual harassment that's going on in this country, let me tell you about something else that's going on in this country, which is... Donald Trump is packing our federal courts with extremist right-wing judges, some of whom are unqualified, and he is moving forward with this plan to fill the federal appeals court with young, deeply, deeply conservative judges that will stay on the bench for a very long time uh, because these are, in fact, lifetime appointments. And this is likely the biggest and the most important impact that the Trump presidency will have on the U.S. for a very, very long time. No, it is not the tax bill, although that likely will will have an impact on the U.S. for a very long time. Um, And it is not uh, Donald Trump's sexual harassment allegations and the 16 women who have come out saying that he has assaulted them in some way, shape, or form at some time. It is the court system. Now, this, of course, starts with the Republican Party stealing Justice Scalia's seat from Merrick Garland and the appointment of Justice Gorsuch, 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 how about that? (laughs) Gore, you suck. And uh, who is a relatively young and very conservative guy and in some ways more conservative than Justice Scalia. Um, But almost as important and maybe even more important than the appointment of uh, Justice Gore, you suck, uh, to the Supreme Court is the packing of the lower courts and the appeals courts with these very conservative young judges. Uh, So how is he doing this? This started when the White House counsel, McGahn, instructed Donald Trump to maximize his opportunity to reshape the judiciary. And in turn, Donald Trump and White House officials sat down and they mapped out a strategy uh, to get potentially uh, to potential nominees in front of the Senate and confirmed. Uh, They said they were going to start by filling vacancies on appeals courts that had multiple openings, especially in places where there were Democratic senators that were going to be up for re-election next year uh, in states that Trump won and that they could use that to put pressure on these Democrats not to block the nominees, um, which is a process called the blue slip process. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. 
Um, and they said that they were going to avoid clogging the Senate up with too many nominees for the lower district courts, um, because at district court level, legal philosophy, meaning, you know, whether you're more liberal or conservative, uh, is really less crucial. Um, and the number three, they were going to speed these appeals nominations through the confirmation process. Um, now that plan is actually coming to fruition. Donald Trump has already appointed eight appellate judges, uh, which is the most this early in a presidency since Richard Nixon. Uh, Republicans are systematically filling appellate seats with lifetimes appointments that they held open during President Barack Obama's final two years in office with very, very conservative judges. And Democrats, who in late 2013 abolished the ability uh, to block those nominees through a filibuster and then lost control of the Senate, have literally no power to stop them from doing this. Um, So what role is Congress playing? Uh, Since they, of course, have a role in this, they confirm judicial nominees. Um, They've actually been helping Donald Trump. And they have been doing this through the Senate Judiciary Committee, who is chaired by Chuck Grassley. And Chuck Grassley has lowered the bar, essentially, and he has kept this confirmation process moving as an assembly line. He has moved these confirmation hearings um, along very quickly. Normally, confirmation hearings feature just one appellate nominee at a time. Uh, But what Grassley's done is he has scheduled three nominees this year, um, which is uh, with two of those being appellate nominees uh, every single week, basically. And um, as many took place as all eight years of the Obama administration in this first couple months. Um, In addition, Republicans have been attacking the American Bar Association, which is the group that vets potential judicial nominees, and they are weakening weakening the ABA's role. And they are doing this because they are accusing the judge, uh, sorry, the group of being biased against conservative judges. Uh, The ABA has already deemed two nominees as unqualified to be judges, saying that they lack significant trial experience. However, the Judiciary Committee does not really seem to care. Um, One of those judges is Holly Teeter. She's a 38-year-old federal prosecutor. She fell just shy of the bar group's minimum standard of 12 years experience, but she does have bipartisan approval, and she actually has experience. So even though she's fell slightly below, she's not somebody who's, like, really unqualified. On the other hand, we have this guy named Brett Talley. He's 36 years old. He has never tried a case. Side note, I have tried multiple cases. Um, And he writes politically charged legal blog posts uh, on issues like gun rights and party line votes. So based on those criteria, I could totally be appointed to the federal court right now. I mean, I think you should be. So Donald Trump, if you want to appoint me to the federal court... I'm here, uh, you know, I'll take it. I'm qualified according to your standards, um, and I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, so give me a call, Donald, because, you know, I'm very liberal, but don't tell anybody. We'll just pretend like you don't know that and that you'll just appoint me to the Court of Appeals. Actually, I lie. Let's tell everybody I'm really, really conservative. Donald, call me. Let's get it done. Um, anyways, <laughs> the White House, I digress. The White House is also weighing in, telling future nominees not to sign confidentiality waivers that give the ABA which is the American Bar Association, access to their disciplinary records and also not to interview with the Bar Association group so that the Bar Association can can determine whether or not these people are qualified. Now, conservatives are also pressuring Trust Grassley to reduce one of the few remaining constraints on letting a president with the Senate majority appoint whoever they want. And this is the blue slip process, which I said I would talk about. Um, What the blue slip process is, is 
if a nominee comes from your state and uh, you have to, as a senator, um, give what's called a blue slip. And that's just because the form is printed on a blue piece of paper historically. And basically, you have to give the thumbs up for that nomination to proceed. Um, And so in the past, the Judiciary Committee refused to let the confirmation process go forward uh, when they did not receive two positive blue slips from senators in the state where the nomination is. Um, That, of course, forces presidents to consult with senators. And when they are from opposite parties, it incentivizes presidents to select relatively moderate judges uh, who can compromise and get uh, this approval from, you know, these uh, senators in a bipartisan fashion. But because Donald Trump is picking so many right wing judges, many Democrats are refusing to return their blue slips in order to block Donald Trump's extreme nominees. And if this continue to happen and Republicans decide to push these nominees through also, what that means is that in the future, Democrats, if they come back into power, they are likely to do the same thing. And that will further erode the partisanship that we are seeing. Um, So why is Donald Trump doing this? There are four main reasons why Donald Trump is doing this. Number one, power and control over the judiciary to get the judiciary and judges to rule in line with very, very conservative views. What that means is things like overturning the Voting Rights Act, overturning Roe versus Wade, overturning the right to for same sex marriage uh, for Sorry, people to get married if they are same-sex coupled. That's what they want. They want judges that are all going to overturn precedents that they think are very, very liberal and have gone too far. During the campaign, um, Donald Trump got the support of many right-wing voters who were never Trump by promising to select Supreme Court justices and appeals justices that were put together um, with the help of the very conservative Federalist Society and also the Heritage Foundation. Exit polls showed that the court was one of the number one reasons why never Trump voters went out and voted for Donald Trump. Um, So while some of these never Hillary voters um, who were very, very strong Bernie supporters, they did not see the the court as a very important issue. Uh, Republican and conservative voters did, in fact, see this court as a very, very important issue. Now Donald Trump is rewarding these people for coming out and voting for them, even though they did not like him. Um, Donald Trump is also the first president who's a Republican whose nominees can be confirmed by a simple majority vote um, because of the the Democratic Party doing away with the judicial filibuster. And number four, there is a lot of open seats. Donald Trump started out with 21 open appellate seats, but then Republicans gained control of the Senate in 2015 and they shut down the confirmation process. So right now there are six additional appellate judgeships that have opened up since Donald Trump's inauguration. And more than half of the 150 active appeals court judges are eligible to retire in the next year or two. Uh, So that means there is going to be a lot of seats to fill. What has the reaction been about this? To many liberals, Donald Trump's nominees are extremists. They are hostile to voters, uh, to the rights of women, to minority groups, um, and they unduly favor the wealthy and the corporations. On the other hand, if you're conservative, you see this as a very rare bright spot um, in all the craziness that is Donald Trump. Um, And this is like the one thing that Donald Trump is actually getting done. Um, So what impact will this have on us, the U.S., and us as the people? Um, The two parties have been engaged in a back-and-forth politics over judicial nominations since the Reagan years, uh, but the Donald Trump administration is finally completing this fundamental transformation of the judiciary through these young conservatives who will stay on the court for a long time. 
The 12 regional appeals courts wield profound influence over American lives. They get the final word over about 600,000 cases a year uh, that are not among the 80 Supreme Court cases that the Supreme Court hears. And when the Supreme Court decides not to hear a case, it is that lower court ruling, that appellate court ruling that stands. Donald Trump is trying to bring the conservative movement that took shape in the 1980s under uh, President Ronald Reagan um, into firm view and to reverse the course of what Republicans see are very, very liberal rulings over the the past couple of years. And these consequences, of course, go very much beyond the judiciary, because if and when the Democrats regain power, if they decide they're going to follow the same playbook, um, which many Democrats are going to say they should, and I kind of have to agree, then the appeals courts will end up becoming very ideologically split, which isn't such a good thing. um, And that could have a major impact on the legitimacy of the judicial branch as a whole. Uh, So what can you do? Call your senators, tell them to continue to try and block these nominations. I know that seems kind of sucky because, you know, Democrats said they didn't want to do the same thing that Republicans did when they were office. But we have no other options right now but to do exactly what they were doing. So we're going to have to play obstruction. And on that note, I'm going to throw it back to Stanley. All right, guys, that has been the show. Thank you so much for listening in today. Next up is Greg, the underdog show, and it's going to be a doozy for you. Just want to say one more happy birthday to Selena Hill. We hope you're having a good time praising God and probably <laughs> not drinking alcohol because you're a weirdo. If you loved what you heard today, you can listen to us on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. iTunes, Stitcher, Google, iHeart, even Spotify. It's lit. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we're out of here. Anyone who takes a fan.